everybody. We are back. Welcome to another episode of More Than a Title. I'm your host, Jared Thomas. Thank you for all returning listeners. Thank you for all the love and support over the past couple of weeks. I'm truly appreciative of everything, all the comments, the likes. And for all you first-time listeners, thank you. Welcome to the show. Um, for those who haven't seen it, let me give you a quick synopsis. But More Than a Title is a show based on, you know, we interview amazing guests like the ones we're about to introduce and really talk about the journey, the personal journey and how it's affected their business and how that's attributed to their success. Because I believe there's a lot of lessons in the story versus tips and tricks. So that's what I'm interested in here today. And I'm so excited for this episode. So let's get to, with further ado, let's introduce today's guest. Our first one is American business businesswoman and former politician from Georgia and is currently the CEO of Stuckey's. And our second guest is owner of the Lamar Pecan Co. and also president of the Stuckey's Corporation. So let's you know introduce both of our guests, Stephanie Stuckey and R.G. Lamar. How are you both? Thank you so much for coming on. We're great, man. We are at the Stuckey's Candy Plant in beautiful Wrens, Georgia today. And this is our retail store. It's actually in open for business. Uh, so someone just pulled over and asked us if we worked here and we gave them some <laughs> pointers. We didn't say we own the place. RG and I co-own Stuckey's. So he's president, I'm CEO. And we jointly run the company. It's great to be here. We believe in storytelling just like you do. Love it. Love it. I would love to. Actually, let's start there. Yeah. Are you, are you documenting the day-to-day -day process of running the business. I'm very curious about it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it. We put a lot of it out there and I put what I think is interesting. So I don't know if he's tuning in or not, but we have a third owner, Ted Wright, who runs a media firm, marketing firm called Fizz. And he gave me a great, so, all right, we're not, I'm trying not to do points and tips, but this is a really good one in storytelling, mm -hmm. which is to really have a story that sticks it needs to have air, which means it needs to be authentic, interesting, and relevant. So that gets to the point of the daily journey. Yes, I do share our daily journey, but I don't share everything. So you're not going to see me necessarily like returning phone calls or on a Zoom call. I just, how many Zoom screenshots have we seen on LinkedIn? Like, so yes. I'm not going to do that. It's just not all that interesting. And so when people say, well, it looks like you're on an endless road trip. No, I'm not. But it's interesting. Right. Yeah. That's and that is a key part of our story and our brand is that yeah. we were founded as a roadside retail store in the 1930s during the Great Depression. And my grandfather built that from a pecan stand to at its peak. We had 368 stores in 40 states. He sold the company out of family hands for decades. It was in distress when three years ago I bought the company, six figures in debt at age 53 with zero, no, zero business background. So within six months, I brought RG on board with the pecan experience and we jointly bought this manufacturing facility. So it's a candy plant, a pecan processing plant in Renz, Georgia. And now we are profitable and business is booming with people in the store buying product as we speak. There you go. That, that is amazing. And I think, and the reason why I asked if you documented, because I think your story is so powerful. It is the American dream, right? So your grandfather, yeah. you know, he started off on the stand. He ended up persevering through through the the, uh, the depression, World War II, yeah. all these different things. And then you as a politician. So I'm, I'm curious to know what inspired the transition from politics into the business, especially with the business in the, in the you know, in the place it was yeah. when you bought it. Well, throughout my career, I've had a theme of championing the underdog. Yeah. I started out as a public defender, so I'm an attorney, and I worked for over a decade representing indigent criminal defendants. And I still, to this day, am passionate about that. But 
I segued from there to being in politics and my passion was the environment. And so I advocated for the environment. I was head of sustainability for the city of Atlanta. And so throughout, I really believe in giving a voice to causes and people, to organizations that don't always have attention paid to them. And that was Stuckey's. We were, we, we had become obsolete almost. We were, if you Googled Stuckey's, it was whatever happened to, that was the top search. And so I wanted to turn that around and it was my family legacy. So that was also a big play in it. Now you all have to ask RG what convinced him to dive into this, but I, I couldn't do it without him. I love it. So uh, well, let's get into to the, how this partnership came to be. So how did you meet RG? And RG, what was your thoughts of the business when you joined? Yeah, man. So my background's in uh, pecan farming. Uh, mm-hmm. So the other side. And um, we, our families actually have known each other for a long time. Okay. Uh, our family has kind of farmed an orchard that they owned. Um, and so I was, at the time, I owned a brand called Front Porch Pecans that I'd started. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea for me was to try to vertically, uh, integrate our farm, uh, you know, as a farmer, uh, I don't know how many of your listeners have any agriculture background, but basically the business model is borrow a lot of money and put it into your crop all year. And then at the end of the year, take it to somebody and say, what is this worth? Exactly. And, uh, that's not a great, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's, <laughs> it's a very high risk business. So I was really interested in having something that I could take to somebody and say, here's what this costs. Don't you want to buy it from me? So we were looking at taking the pecans we were growing, making a consumer package product with it, uh, selling that through distribution channels. Yeah. Uh, what I found in doing that with a brand that nobody had ever heard of is it's not easy. Uh, that's why you see big multinational corporations paying big bucks for startups who have found uh, brand relevance, right? Yeah. Uh, you see that, I mean, just take Dots Pretzels, for example, sold recently for over a billion dollars because people know who Dots is. It's a proven product, and so it was worth something. Um, so that's when Stephanie and I started talking. We both had a very similar vision for pecans as a snack product. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know about you know how your listeners feel about it, but most people you talk to, love pecan pie at Thanksgiving, love to bake with pecans, just hadn't thought about it as something that I would snack on instead of almonds or pistachios. Right. Um, But they're a great snack. In fact, uh, Steph and I were just sitting here snacking on them. Um, So yeah, we thought, man, with the Stuckey's brand that people know and associate with pecans, we, you know, we can carve out a niche for pecans as a snack food that's never been there. I think what also is relevant to listeners is I talk to so many entrepreneurs who are in the food space and they're trying to figure out how do we scale? Like that's the biggest challenge. How do you build a brand? And so that's what we've been working on. And also that whole scale issue. How do you go from dots? Pretzels is a great example. She started in her kitchen and now, I mean, she's, I think she sold for over a billion. I mean, it's insane what she was able to accomplish. So I, I think we are we are entrepreneurs. We're, we're running a startup. It's a it's an 87 year old startup, but it's a startup. Wow, and that, that's amazing. And and I need to get into pretzels. I need to I need a billion dollar pretzel. Yes, pretzel. <laughs> we make chocolate covered pretzels, by the way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but but you, RG made a great point, right? Because when it comes to pecans, right, it's the consumer education. It's the same thing that happens in the tech space because we never thought about snacking 
on pecans that way. So you're really consuming, like educating a new consumer on, on mm -hmm. what to do, how you should have it. It's not just pies. So how do you differentiate yourself? And what is the process of getting shelf space? How, how difficult was that? <laughs> so it's fun. Yeah, um, it's fun. It's it's not always free, right? That's yeah, that's one of the first things you learn right. when you get into CPG world. Um, but again, I mean, that I, I just I guess what I've learned in this experience has been you cannot underestimate the value of a brand because yeah. mm -hmm. people know what Stuckey's is. And a lot of times our category managers and buyers stopped at Stuckey's when they were kids. They've got a really warm place in their heart for yeah. the nostalgia around Stuckey's. And they're oftentimes our biggest fans. Um, yeah. So we've found we've got a lot of wind in our sails right now. People are pull, people are pulling for Stuckey's to come back including the people who need to give us the shelf space in the stores. Um, it, and it's, it's, yeah, it, it's worked really well. But you do often have to pay what they call slotting fees, promotional fees. There's all different ways that they add fees, one-time set of fees. You need to pay broker fees, distribution fees. So one tip is if you're certified as a minority or female owned business, often you get a lot of those fees waived. So if any in your, in your listening group, fits a minority category and can get registered, it really helps you get shelf space. Yeah. If you're an MWB business, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. But, but what it like for me, if I was thinking that, right. So if I'm paying sliding fees, this is the mm -hmm. first time my product is on the market, right? I don't know necessarily how it's going to sell. So how do you factor in those fees and all those things that still think about profitability? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The sell through rate. That's like a dirty little secret that you don't always hear people talking about in the consumer yeah. packaged goods, but it's hard when you're a food product because there's a shelf life, right? So we work really hard. This has a 12 month shelf life, which really helps us. But mm. if your product gets past co-date and it hasn't moved off the shelves and it hasn't sold through, you know what happens? You pay, we pay the cost. We still pay, yeah. Yeah. So the, the business doesn't eat those costs, even if they didn't give you good product placement, even if they didn't promote your brand, even if there are all these different factors that could have led to it not selling that weren't your fault. Yeah. You pay for it. Oh, that's insane. And yeah. you know, as you were saying that, you know what came to yeah. mind? Have you tried to go into somewhere like Costco's? Because I was thinking about the consumer education and you guys are very confident in the product. So how do we how do you have you tried those in-store demonstrations where people try the product? Have you has that worked well if you tried it? Not we, yet. Yeah, we've not mm -hmm. done a ton of that. Uh, you know, you do similar type stuff with um uh, trade shows. Yeah, that's where we've yeah. done a lot of sampling and gotten feedback. But again, that's your buyers. That's not your consumers. Um, mm -hmm. so it's a different. It's a different level. Um, you know, coming back to the question you were asking a little bit earlier, I think uh, there's a lot of risk in it, right? I mean, you you put a lot of money into developing a product and then purchasing the packaging, purchasing the raw materials. You got you know, working capital in that, all yeah. of that leading up to launching a product, then you got to pay for those slotting fees and do all of that. And you don't know if it's going to sell. And, and it is, I mean, I don't, yeah, there's no, um, there's, there's no, you know, silver bullet for, for fixing that. Yeah. I think what helps is um, patience and how quickly you're, you're trying to grow and scale. Um, and, it, it, it comes down to, I think, a personal risk calculation. You know, how yes. much am I willing to jump off of this cliff and start pulling the parachute cord? Yeah. You know? um, if you're not willing to take that kind of risk, you need to go at a slower pace and, and do it in ways uh, where you're not 
where you're not taking this bigger risks. Love that. Love that. The, the, the key is definitely patience, right? You don't yeah. want to go all in. You want to be conservative in your bet. And then when you see something winning, then you go all in. You double That's down right. on it. So I love that. I love that concept. So and also you, you bought the business in 2019, right? Then yes. March 2020, the pandemic happens. Mm-hmm. What were your both initial thoughts, especially with the business being in you know the position it was? How were you? What, what are some things that you did to transition or how did you adapt to the pandemic? So RJ was not brought on board yet, so Mm -hmm. I'll answer that. Uh, So I actually looked at my grandfather's story, which was interesting to me because I knew him as my grandfather. I didn't know him as CEO of Stuckey's. He sold the company a year before I was born, So, and he died when I was 11. So my entire childhood and years knowing him, he was my grandfather. He had sold the company. He, He had retired. So I learned his story when I bought his company. And throughout his story, I saw examples where devastating external things happened and he didn't go under. So the first one was World War II. Everything was rationed. People were not traveling on the roads anymore. So he had to shut down all of his stores. Sugar was rationed. He didn't have access to his product. So he completely pivoted and started making candy for the U.S. government for the war effort. Wow. So he completely changed around his business model. So he had to embrace something different. And then the other major change for him was when the interstate highway came along and he had his stores on the Lincoln Highway, the Jefferson Highway, Route 66, and they were all bypassed. So he had to not only accept reality, he had to embrace reality. He shut down those stores. He moved to the interstate. He rebranded. He built back stronger. He was resilient. So I was like, what would what would my grandfather do, right? He would pivot. And I thought when I bought the company, we had 68 licensed locations. None of the stores were really generating a lot of revenue for us. It's a licensed deal. They paid us a monthly modest fee. We had a distribution business, but we weren't really getting the margins we needed because we were outsourcing everything. All of our product was outsourced. So I realized to turn the company around, we had to get into manufacturing and we we had to start selling our product to other businesses. So what businesses were thriving during COVID? Grocery stores, hardware stores, right? So we start selling to those stores and then we get the manufacturing plant, which is when I brought RG on board. And then we started selling at better margins and we were able to scale. We're still trying to scale. It's crazy. Our biggest challenge right now is meeting the amazing demand for our product. But all that started to work. So we went from 2 million gross sales that first year to be closed out last year over 13 million gross sales. And that was in two year period. Wow. Yeah. So the pivot worked. So we really, I know people associate us with the stores. So the story of the brand is still the road trip. It's still that adventure and fun and independence of exploring America by car, but how we're, how we're growing the brand and profitable. It's, it's our pecan snacks and our candies. And you know what, during hard times, people eat, comfort food exactly yeah eat candy uh, they may talk thin but they're going to eat fat and yeah. that's okay you know you got to treat yourself i mean everything in moderation and the pecans are healthy healthy snack yeah i, I love the fact that that you pivoted right like that that was huge right so and this goes yes. back to the earlier point about why i think you do- should document it right i can see a stucky's documentary Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, and I think that the brand affinity, <laughs> like just telling your grandfather's story, having that narration and then having your 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 customers. I remember that. I remember that location. That's the one I used to go to with my mom and dad and all those yeah. different things. And even have like a UGC campaign where it's like, what's your stucky experience? 
and that can get some, yes. oh my goodness, I'm like, my mind is going crazy. We have a guest book on the website and every day people post their Stucky stories. Uh, I, get, I get Stucky stories, I probably get three to five a day. People messaging me, people emailing me, people stopping me in person. I've had people stop me in airports like, oh my gosh, you're the Stucky's lady. Let me tell you my Stucky story. What is your favorite Stucky story? Oh, there's so many, but I think one of my favorites is kind of, it's really sweet. This man told me that he and his wife on their first date, they went to a Stucky's. Mm -hmm. And so every year on their anniversary, he would buy her a pecan log roll and they had just celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. And so he, he emailed me to tell me we just celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary. And so of course I sent him a case of pecan log rolls. Absolutely. So whether Absolutely. the story is true or not, he got a case of pecan log rolls. Well, I think it was true. And yeah. I, I think it would be for him to go out the way and message you like it had to be true. So yeah. shout out to that couple, shout out to the family and all the Stucky customers. And yeah. I think a good segue too would be social media because that's where things are going today. And Stephanie, what yeah. separates you aside from your amazing story and, you know, like I said, your career path is your social media presence, right? I see yeah. a ton of CEOs and, and business leaders and some, most of them don't get social media, right? So yeah. I'd love to know what was your process of building your, your following and how has that impacted the business? Yeah, so I'm really the face of the Stuckey's brand. One, because I have the name, yeah. but most importantly, I can afford myself. Mm. So I I can't afford influencers. Yeah. We, we don't have the budget for that. And so pretty early on, I just started posting on social media. I learned a lot from others from like you and you just you just look at what are others doing and there's yeah. a wealth of information out there. I love Gary V. Yeah. I, I love his his energy and passion and you just post every day. RG introduced me to Seth Godin. And oh, we both took his course, you can not, take his class. Not in the flesh, but just. Right? <laughs> but just, I mean, he, his, his concepts and all of them talk about storytelling and being authentic and sharing your journey. Everyone wants to be part of something that's coming back. Exactly. It's excitement. And I think the most important thing that we've done and how we market the brand is we're not going online saying buy our product. Exactly. We're telling the story of the brand and we're getting people excited about what's happening with Stuckies. And then the sales are going to follow from that. You don't have to be in your face selling, whether it's a product or a service. If you tell your story and you find something that's going to connect with people and what really connects with people for us is the road trip, a sense of exploration and fun. And then we love also talking about the pecan, which is the only snack nut native to our country. And so there's a wealth of stories around America's native nut. Love it. I love it. Yeah. So what, what I do love about that is, like you said, you, you, you know, you're, you're following, you, you build up your presence, you, you build that. And it's very similar to what I've done. So for anybody yeah. listening, it still works for personal brands and it works for brands as a whole. So I'll yeah. give you a quick two seconds of, of my story. So three years ago, I was working at an agency and I was tasked with going after Uber, Nike, all the Fortune 1000 yeah. brands, 15 person strong agency. And I'm like, how the heck am I going to get sales when they don't know us? So I'm like... All right, how are we getting sales? And he's like through keynote speaking, through Twitter. I have yes. 50,000 followers. I said, okay, light bulb went off. Bing. I said, you know what? I'm going to LinkedIn. 
I used it terribly like everybody else. I would connect with you. I would pitch you right away. It was just terrible. But what yeah. <laughs> me was I went downstairs every morning, just no, no editing, no anything. I just started filming video and just like parenting, SEO, content. Um, and what took off for me was me telling my story. It was like, hey, I was 20 years old working at Starbucks, La Pan Quotidian. I needed to change. My first son was about to arrive and I can't pay minimum wage. What am I going to do? And then how I got into sales. And then from there, so many people reached out, like from Germany, France, from the States. And they're like, man, I love your story. It's exactly what my story was. And then from there, it just kind of took off. But being authentic and telling that story allowed me to and put me in rooms that I wouldn't be in necessarily. Yeah. So it's so important to tell your story, be your authentic self, and, and don't don't hoard your information. Give it out. Right, exactly. It's I think that's what's so engaging about Gary Vee. And if I ever had the budget to afford someone like him, I, I would totally be interested in that because I love how he shares what he does. And there's nothing more motivating than having a child, by the way. RG just had baby number two. I'm telling you, what motivates you? Like, all right, I got to pay for college someday. Changed my entire perspective on life. <laughs> changed my entire, and thank God. Shout out to the family. Shout out to the kids. So that that's yeah. what that's what helped and changed for me. And to hear that from you is amazing. And you know, you brought up something too that there's not budget for influencers, right? So for anybody listening, what you would do and pivot in a situation like that, their customers are the influencers, and that's the word of mouth yes. how the business is growing. So exactly. that's the key, and that's how storytelling is so important. And that's why, you know, what Stephanie just said is a gem. So if you had anything from that, know your customers, utilize them, and build that relationship with them. So um, with, with that being said, and RG, too, I have to say, I've seen your LinkedIn, too, man. I'm going to have to get you on LinkedIn more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get there's you a, on. There's a, Stephanie listed two reasons she's the face of the company. There's a third, which is that I am terrible at social media. Oh, my goodness, man. You, you have to get on right now. TikTok and LinkedIn is just amazing. The people that you can meet there, if I tell you some stories, you'd be amazed. And also, yes. shout out to the listeners. David Webb, um, he said, best quote of your talk today. He said, what would my grandfather do? Resilience and pivoting. Great enthusiasm in your Stucky's comeback. Second best quote, we are 87-year-old startup. Shout out to David Webb. Thank you for joining. Thank you, David. If yeah. I'm not following you, I'll follow you. Okay. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, so what, what, what does the future look like for Stucky? So I know you're, you're looking to scale and obviously with yeah. the recession and the economy looking like the way it is right now or where it's going to be. So what are your plans to scale and what are some of the big ideas? You don't have to give me all of them. Like what's something that you're looking forward to right now? I'm going to let uh, RG's the best with strategery. Yeah. So I'm gonna let <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're, where we're standing right now is a shop in front of our uh, candy plant and pecan roasting facility. And uh, it was part of the acquisition that we did last year, um, which, which was a huge strategic move for us. Uh, but we've already maxed that space out. And so the big challenge for us is figuring out, I mean, in this environment with inflation, I don't know if you've looked at trying to build a building or buy a building lately, but, um, it's difficult to do. So we're, you know, we're looking for, uh, we use the word scrappy around here a lot. We're looking for scrappy ways of maximizing the space that we have. We've got some ideas on that. Um, you know, equipment purchases, um, automating things, not to eliminate employees, but to make more out of the employees that we have, right. Yeah. Give them tools to use, to make more, uh, per person, make, make each person more productive. Um, so, yeah, all, all that's in the plan. I mean, it's really about Stephanie mentioned earlier. We have at this point, we're not taking on new customers. We've, we've gone to the customers we have and, and told them, hey, yeah. you're, we're, we're taking care of y'all right now because that's 
we can barely do that. We're not taking anybody else. Yeah. Um, and the reason for that is just production capacities. For us, it's all about, yeah, how do we how do we maximize what we have? I mean, that's so important. People are always saying, well, when are you going to be in Walmart? When are you going to be in Target? I can introduce you. We're yeah. not ready. We literally just told We're not Walmart ready. last week. Like We you said no. would love to do business with y'all, but it's it's not time yet. We said not now. Yeah. yeah. But even it's understanding not, that. No, it's not now. Pardon? No, I said even for the both of you to understand that and say, you know what, we're yeah. going to slow down and not speed up. That's that's so that's so important. Right. Because you could have tried to scale quickly and put yourself in a jam. And then now you're, you're digging to get yourself backs out. So now well, we are growing and we are going full steam ahead. But yeah. we're also like recognizing what that looks like. Exactly. There's a great book, by the way, Reed Hoffman, Masters of Scale. It's all about how you scale business and he uses real life examples. He was one of the founders of Netflix, one of the early, you know, helped invest. Yeah. And so that's a great book. I would say the other thing we're, we have really been conscientious and thoughtful about is not selling to private equity. Yeah. I wouldn't say never, but it really is not a good fit for everyone. And I think too often we are lured by shows like Shark Tank and think yeah. selling out shares your company or selling out your company is this panacea and you get the money and you're on your way, but, but you sell your company a lot of times. And so we, we've been growing the old fashioned way through sales and through a community bank yeah, and through government loan programs. So there are ways you can grow your company, but besides selling out to venture capital or private equity. That's super important. And, and then, like you said, because this is your legacy, right? And it's yeah. the vision. It's right. You're not only selling the equity, but you're selling your vision and the authority to do what you want with your business. Yeah. That's that's the hard part. And I, and with your partnership, I'm very curious, how do you guys deal with any disagreements about the business? So say RJ saying, let's go to Costco. I want to go down. And you're stepping in. You're like, no, let's slow down. How do you deal with that? We talk it out. We do. Yeah. I. I think we both come from families and maybe educational backgrounds that really emphasize critical thinking, yeah. uh, you know, debate, healthy debate. Um, and so that's something we've really tried to cultivate in the partnership. And our third partner, Ted, is uh, probably even more that way. You know, so I, I think we have a really healthy amount of debate. And at the end of the day, usually somebody will say, yeah, I think you're right. I think we need to do that. That's, that's yeah. Critical. We've worked everything out. That That is critical. Having yeah. the right team around you and then just mi minusing the ego. Right. So you might have a great idea one day, Stephanie, you're like, I got to go. I do that. I saw that I had a dream. I have to do this. And, yeah. and like, RG's like, come on, let's pump the brakes. Let's think this thing through. <laughs> and like, I like well, and I think the biggest thing about a partnership is when you get the part, when you decide to become partners, make sure that big vision is aligned. Yeah. Yeah. And so the smaller decisions and, and really, once you get that big vision, everything is a smaller decision. It becomes all about yeah. how do we get where we're going, not, yeah. not where we're we going. We know where we're going. Yeah. We want to be the go-to snack brand for pecans in the world. That's it. Love so it. that's where we're going. Love and it. whenever I get lulled into, and yes, someday we want to have a handful of Stucky stores. People ask us that question a lot. But sometimes I get really enamored of some developers like we can develop 100 stuckies. And RG's like, that's not the vision. That's not the vision. You know, like quit looking at the bright, shiny object. We're we're growing into the snack brand for pecans in this country and in the world. So you got that down. Yeah, it's more the how are we getting there, not where are we going? 
Absolutely. And that's so critical in business. So everybody listening, executive alignment is critical to any business yeah. success. And you guys are like, I feel like you guys can finish each other's sentences and I love it. <laughs> I, I definitely love it. So, and so for any other entrepreneurs that are looking to make a transition, you know, even myself included. So what advice would you give to us, to others, other entrepreneurs looking to start their first business? Like what is the best one piece of advice you would give to us? Man, you're looking at me. Um, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I, I, I think, um, yeah, having that, having that vision is probably the most important thing. Um, it's easy to get, it depends on who you are, you know, you got to know yourself. Um, some people tend to believe in themselves too much and their own <laughs> visions too much. Right. And yeah. like you have this vision, it's like, Oh my gosh, this is gonna be amazing. And then, you know, you haven't taught anybody else. You haven't vetted that idea. Um, on the other hand, some people have a good idea and think, ah, I'm just not the, I can't make that happen. You know, so, I don't know. Maybe my, maybe my top advice would be know yourself, know your own weaknesses and yeah. account for that and how you're making decisions. Um, so I don't know, what'd you say, Stephanie? So uh, the entrepreneurial journey is about being alone together mm. and it can be very isolating at times, especially a lot of times you're investing your own funds and definitely investing a lot of your own private, like your own personal equity, your time, your energy. Yeah. And it, it can feel overwhelming and isolating, but you're not alone. And I'm not just talking about our situation where there's partnership, but, and we have a team, but, even if you're doing it completely solo, there are there there's a network out there. It's through LinkedIn. True. It's through uh, the National Grocers Association. It's through the National Confectioners Association. It's through these groups that we belong to. They've been incredibly supportive, and it's it's like talking to you. Like and and also just know we're available. To, to talk, I, I always take phone calls. Now, maybe there will be a day when I can't, but I really do my best if it's an entrepreneur. I don't always take phone calls from solicitors. So if you're hearing this and want me to buy your product, um, that's a different matter. But if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking for advice, we're, we're all there to help each other. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would love to follow that with, with two final questions. So for this is for my sales folks. How would somebody get in touch with Stephanie Stuckey if I'm looking to do business with you? S Stucky at Stuckies.com. That's it. Just eat cold email. Nothing else. Just no cold email phone. me. Yeah, LinkedIn. I get a lot of spam and a, a lot of unwanted solicitations. That's clearly somebody sending these out to thousands of people. Yeah. It's not personal. And so there's a lot of junk in there. And so sometimes really authentic, genuine emails get lost in that shuffle or messages. Yeah. So LinkedIn messages sometimes is not the best. Yeah. I do my best to track those. Uh, but really uh, emailing me s stucky at stuckies.com. You heard it. You I'll heard get it. it. You heard it best. And the best way for any sellers, just cold DMing is just a terrible way of going about it. Right now, the way you sell to somebody like a Stephanie or any other business, you inform, you understand their issues. You go on your feed, you start talking about those issues and how you can make go on their feed. Going yes. to, to your comments. Like when I, to give everybody a story, when I met Stephanie, Great tip. I a call from C, um, your conversation with Tom. So, yeah. 
So soon as the as the conversation's going, I'm hearing your story. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. I just yeah. DM you immediately. I don't know if it was live or anything. And you almost yeah. hit me almost immediately, like, I love what you're doing too. And things, it was just like, wow. So I appreciate you. Um, and I would love to end it off because I asked you, you know, what were some of the advice that you would give to other entrepreneurs? What was been what has been the most challenging situation that has arised with the business? And how did you overcome that? I'm thinking about a year ago today when we had a packaging snafu that that sucked. Oh, right. We had packaging that uh, we we were we were really rushing to get to market, and uh, you know there's there's 50 reasons for failure, right? Uh, mm. and so we've gone through it and through it, but the bottom line is we had packaging that smelled funny, smelled like glue, and it was no, effective, no fault of ours. No fault of ours. Yeah. It was packaging. Well, uh, you know, it was the 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 entity that was making the packaging and, and, but, but we had to deal with how to respond to that. We got in a handful of complaints. Honestly, we could have probably let it slide and put product out there. That was not, it was a faint know. smell. You know, if it, it was, it a, was everything about the situation made it a hard decision. Cause like yeah. if it was a clear smell, everybody who got it was like, Oh yeah, this is terrible. Yeah. Of course you recall the product. Uh, if it was a safety issue, of course you recall yes. the product. As far as we could tell, there was no safety issue. Yeah. It was a faint smell that had no safety impact. And yeah. It was brand reputation. That's it. And it was right when we were launching exactly. the new product line with the new branding at the new candy plant that we just purchased. And we were just like, whoa, here's our product. And then we had to go, wow, do we pull back? And and we did. We, we did. We pulled back. Yeah. And we worked with the packaging manufacturer to make things right. And it, it was a journey, but that was that was really hard. It was this time last year and it was a, it was a huge financial hit for us. Not only on the recall, uh, and we, it's it was really a withdrawal. A, it was a withdrawal on a recall, but yeah. uh, the harder part was as a, as a new supplier for that customer, uh, yeah. we got started on a, really on the wrong foot. Right. Yeah. And, and to yeah. this day with that particular customer, we're still trying to overcome that. We're because, still working on that. You know, when you yeah. start, yeah. start that way it's hard so it was yeah yeah i we think had, i still think we made the right decision but that was really hard we had decision. landed in 250 stores and then we had to say uh we were we we're withdrawing that product and we had to pull it from the shelves we had to trash the divinity i mean it broke my heart and i tasted and thought it tasted great you know so that rg's right like it was one of those issues that really was a gray area and we decided that we we want our product to be hundred percent what we stand by is the absolute most delicious snacks and candies you're going to buy with pecans anywhere and so if we're going to live up to that then we're going to take a hit in the in the when it's hard for us to take a hit mm. uh, so. well, the lesson i got out of that and for anybody listening do what's right even when it hurts and that's a life and business that's a, just business advice do what's yeah. right so right there, there were a lot of customers that appreciated that, by the way, a lot of our retail customers. It was just the new ones, but like the, the existing ones, we already had a relationship and they really appreciated our honesty and that we came forward and we made it right. That's it. Because gone are the days where you could just print dollar bills and not care about what the customer says. Those days are done. It's too many yeah. options. So brand reputation and that experience is everything. Even if it was a faint smell, the fact that they knew that you took the hit and that you wanted to make sure that they were going to get the right product that you stood by. Now you have a customer for life. And that's where. That so. 
<laughs> no, you, you've got them and you've got a fan in me and I know it's over 30 minutes. I don't want to keep you long. So I'm already so appreciative of you both for joining and taking time out your busy day. But you have a fan for me. Um, I would love to keep Likewise. it. Anytime you guys are in New York, please let me know. Dinner on me, whatever you guys want to do. I would love to meet you both in person. Um, thank that. you everybody attending. John, thank you for the comment. David, all the other team on YouTube and everywhere else. Thank you so much, guys, for the love. And thank you for another great episode of More Than Entitled. You guys are amazing. All thank right. you, Jared. It's been, our, it's been our pleasure. Yep. Thank you. Let's, we'll definitely stay in touch, Stephanie. Talk to you guys soon.